Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. So good. Anyone excited to be together today? Come on, somebody. Uh, Hey, you guys can stand for just a second. I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then you guys can take a seat comfy chairs. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 7, is where we are today. This is what it says. It says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labors, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. But by the grace God has given to me, I have laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. I want to call our message today. And uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down in a second. Um, I'm just a worker. I'm just a worker. I'm just a worker. Come on, let's clap our hands one more time. For Jesus, you can take a seat in this place right now. Everyone doing good today? Come on, somebody. If, uh, if, if anyone's looking for a seat, if you don't have a seat, I got two extra chairs right at the front row in case anyone needs, but you guys all look good. So, hey, we are in uh, a crazy season as a church right now, uh, literally just kind of flying by the seat of our pants figuring out what we're doing week in and week out. And so I was hoping uh, last time that we gathered outside together that we'd be inside, um, but we're here outside again. And so uh, two things. Number one, uh, God isn't taken off guard. He wasn't uh, caught by surprise. I kind of was, but uh, he wasn't. So first of all, Jesus is in control, so we're chilling. But number two, just thank you guys for kind of literally getting updates like two days in advance and then finding and coming to wherever church is or whether we're cleaning or online, whatever it may be. Thank you guys. You guys are amazing. So, with that being said, um, yeah, like literally, even myself as I'm preaching, you guys, if you're a part of our church, you'll know I usually preach in series. I'm kind of just going as the Lord leads. Um, Don't even know if I'm speaking one week or the next. It's a crazy time, but I believe that God has given us a word for today, so I'm excited, and I'm just going to teach today. Can I just teach today? Okay, so this sermon is going to be really good for anyone today that's feeling stuck, anyone today that's wondering, what on earth am I here for, or anyone that's even wondering, what's next in my life? We're going to answer just those small questions in the next 30 minutes or so. Can we do that? So legit, I'm just getting right into it. So 1 Corinthians is the book that we're in. I'll give you guys some context because the context is going to really set the tone for everything that we're going to talk about today. So this book, 1 Corinthians, is written by a man named Paul. If you've read the Bible, specifically the New Testament, Paul has written over half of the New Testament. He's kind of an important figure in uh, the Bible. And really for us today... um, He is the reason that the message of Jesus actually really got past just Jewish people. Paul dedicated his life to giving the message of Jesus to non-Jews. So if you aren't a Jew and you're here today, you can thank Paul. What's up, Paul? Thank you so much. Um, But in this letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is writing to a church in a place called Corinth. Hence the name of the book, 1 Corinthians. This is the first letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And Paul is writing this letter because there's something happening in church. 
You want to know what's happening in this church? You guys may not know this, but um, I love when people say things like, man, you know what? Like, as Christians, we just need to be like the early church. And, like, there is some merit to that. We want to be, like, the first followers of Jesus. But a lot of times when people say that, what they're really saying is, like, I don't like how church is now. Like, church was perfect then. It kind of sucks now. If we were just like then, things would be amazing. Why I love the book of 1 Corinthians because the church in Corinth, one of the very first Christian churches ever, they were wildin'. That's why Paul wrote this letter, because they were crazy. And specifically in, in our letter today, um, what Paul is addressing is uh, a conflict that is happening in the church. Now, I know you guys are like, wait a second. There's conflict in churches? No way. We're all perfect people. We all love Jesus. Uh, but Paul is writing this, and I know for a lot of us, you guys will not relate to this at all, because you've never been in conflict in church. I know. Um, for those of you guys that maybe have, I think this will be relatable for us. So Paul is writing to a church that is in conflict. Specifically, it is a church that is kind of divided. So this church in Corinth, and, and really quick, everyone's following? We're good? So this church in the place called Corinth was started by Paul. Paul starts the church, and then he leaves. And uh, after he leaves, a guy named Apollos comes. And Apollos essentially becomes the pastor. He starts teaching. He starts preaching. Um, but Paul was the OG. So there's two characters, Paul and Apollos. Paul's no longer there. Apollos is pastoring. And so what happens is some people in the church, they begin to divide themselves. Some people are like, hey, I'm team Paul. And some people are like, I'm team Apollos. Like, I roll with Paul. I roll with Apollos. You guys ever been to church like that? Where it's like, I roll with these people. I roll with these people. That's my crew. And that's the conflict that's happening in this church. They're divided. And so um, as we understand that context, what's going on, this is where we dive in uh, to Paul's response to this conflict. Do you guys get the conflict? I love his response. Verse 5, 1 Corinthians 3. He's like, what after all is Apollos? And what's Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each his task. So there's this huge conflict going on, like, hey, are you team Paul? Are you team Apollos? Who do you roll with? Which side are you on? Paul comes in, and he's like, listen, I don't matter, and Apollos doesn't matter. He's like, we're only servants. We are only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned us to each task. In other words, he's literally saying, we don't matter. Neither of us matter. What matters is Jesus, and we're going to get to that. But maybe you're sitting here today saying, well, Harrison, like, what's the, what's the relevance to me? Now, maybe you're not in conflict at all, and you're like, what's the relevance to me? Here's the relevance to us. The main reason that the church was in conflict was because the people in the church had put their hope in the wrong thing. They had put their purpose, their value, really what's next in the wrong thing. And we as people, we, whether we know this or not, have a tendency to put our hope, our trust, our future, our peace, whatever adjective you want to use, verb maybe, um, in, Amy can correct me later. Um, was that correct? Adjective? doesn't matter. Continuing on. Um, we put our hope in the wrong things. And what Paul is trying to do in this message and in this short part of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he's trying to redirect their attention. And the beauty of this passage is that Paul actually uses this conflict in the church as a catalyst to glorify Jesus. Now, maybe you didn't know this, but I'm going to let you guys know that conflict is always an opportunity to glorify God. 
for anyone in this place, your, your, your tendency is to run away from conflict, avoid conflict. What I want you to understand is that conflict is a good thing. Why? Because God can actually be glorified. Conflict is an opportunity to glorify God. And so sometimes all we need to do is change conflict's connotation to something not to be avoided, but something to lean into and wonder, hey, in this situation, how can God be glorified? And that is what we're going to see in the passage today. And so what Paul wants to do in order to glorify God, Paul needs to redirect their attention because they've been focusing on the wrong things. Today, I believe some of us here, we've been focusing on the wrong things. We've been putting our hope in the wrong things. Now, generally speaking, we place our hope in the wrong things two ways. Two ways. We either put our hope in ourselves, or for some of us, we put our hope in people and or things. When it comes to the, the redirection that we need, most of us in this place, what you need to redirect is you've been putting your hope either in yourself or in people slash things. You're like, Harrison, what exactly does that look like? Now, one of the ways that we put our hopes in other, let's start with other things. Can we start there? What does it look like to put my hope in other things and or the wrong things. Well, one of the reasons, um, or I guess one of the markers of a society that maybe doesn't follow God per se, is that it'll still bear kind of a reflection of the fact that we are made in his image. And what that means is all of us, whether we acknowledge God or not, we are designed and created to worship. We're, we're just beings that need to worship. And so what happens, well, if we don't direct it towards God, we generally direct it towards things, peoples, places, so on and so forth. So one of the ways that we've seen this recently is a lot of us put our hope in the government right? It's like, you know what? Like if I just, if my party just stays in power, like then my life will be okay. But the reason our society sucks is because my party isn't in power. Like if we just had a liberal government forever, if we just had a conservative government, y'all know we ain't going NDP, but um, like if, <laughs> if it was just one of those two, like then, like then our lives would be better. But the issue is and why it'll always run dry and why it'll actually make you actually kind of angry inside is because even if it is your people, your government, they're going to let you down because they're not what you're looking for. You guys understand that? It's not what you're looking for. You are not looking for people on a hill in a parliament to give you hope because your hope comes from someone who was on a hill. Come on, somebody. But that hill had a cross, not a building, and he did not actually display power, but he gave up power and he showed his love for us when he died for us. And so what happens, though, is that for too many of us, you put our hope in those things. Believe in, like, that's my issue. It's just, it's just, it's them. Now, some of you guys are like, well, I don't, like, even care about politics, Harrison. Like, that's, that's nothing to me. Well, what's another thing that we put our hope in? Um, how many guys have ever put your hope in relationships? Whether it's, like, romantic or whether it's friendships. But a lot of us, we put our hope in people. And we just say, like, well, if I just could get, like, if I could just find my person... Like, I just need my person, then, like, then I'll be really good. Um, for some of us, it's like, I just need, like, a, a really good friend group if I just had the, the right friends. But here's the issue. I want us to understand this. No relationship, no friend group can actually handle the weight of your affection. Let me explain this. Us as people, we were actually created with the capacity to give a great amount of affection, better known as worship. And so if it is not directed towards God, what I'm saying is that you'll direct it towards someone. And a lot of us do this with our spouses, our boyfriends, our girlfriends. They can't handle the weight of your affection. It's just too much. You're too much. Look at the person next to you say, I'm too much. I'm just too much. It's crazy to think, but 
I want us to understand it like this. Our capacity to love is actually too great. It's too great for any person. It's too great for any human. And so what happens is when we direct our hope to those people, they will always let you down. If whatever relationship you're in, friendship or otherwise, if the people are always letting you down, I would argue perhaps you're the problem. And really the weight of your affection, you're putting it in the wrong place. Now, this doesn't just happen, I said outside of church, but um, inside of church, a lot of times we put our hope in the wrong places many times. Right, like I, I, I think it's actually a great honor of mine to, to serve with the leaders in our church and um, to do life with you guys. But um, for anyone in our church that serves under a leader, um, they're going to let you down. I hope you know that. Like I love, like listen, I got leaders where I love y'all. But like if you put your hope in them, they're going to let you down. Why? Because they're just a human. They're just a person. That's why we put our hope in Jesus. One of the main reasons conflict exists in churches is because we put people on a pedestal that they just can't get on. It's not, it's not going to work. Whether it's people, I'll speak about myself. If, if you're here just for me, I was talking to Chase this week. I said, anyone that comes to church because they really like my preaching, I can almost guarantee you the reason why they'll leave the church. Because my preaching. It's not going to be good enough. Not, not forever. Because... I can't, I can't be the way, I can't handle the weight of your affection. And I certainly don't want your worship because all of that belongs to Jesus. And, and if you're wondering, like, well, Harrison, like, well, why do I come to church then if it's not for the people or for, for the pastor? Like, how do I find a great church? Well, find a church that's on a great mission. And I just believe us here at Kingdom Church, if you do not know this, we are on a great mission. We are here. Come on, somebody. We are here to reach a world, to reach people that literally are hopeless. How many guys know people that are hopeless and they need some hope? And I just believe God has placed us, positioned us in this season, in this space to be hope dealers. And so what happens is that we put our hope into people and things and it always lets us down. Now, I think I told you there's two ways that our, our direction is uh, misfocused. And the second way, because the first way is like other things, other people. But the second way is something that I think is really actually kind of culturally celebrated. Um, and a lot of us just looking out, I can tell. Um, I'm just joking. But um, a lot of us follow this line of thinking that says, like, I just got to put my hope in me. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, hey, listen, like, I, whatever you want to do in life, like, just grab life by the horns. Like, don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. Like, dig deeper. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Every issue in your life is your fault, so just, just grind at it. <laughs> now, I want you to understand something. I actually believe that as humans created in the image of God, we have unlimited potential. I would argue most of us probably don't even hit the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the potential that we have in our lives. However... What I want us to understand is that although we, as, 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 as image bearers of God, although we have great value and worth, we cannot be a, a, a hope in and of ourselves because we will always let ourselves down. And truth be told, if you are hope, if you are your own hope, if everything you believe that you can get and achieve will come because as a result of you, what happens when life doesn't look the way you want it to look? Now, I would argue when it comes to this idea of ourselves, most of the time, what happens is that we either view ourselves one of two ways, and both are disastrous. We either view ourselves too highly or too lowly. Now, when I view myself too lowly, what does that look like? It looks like this idea of like, well, no matter where I go, I just never feel enough. 
no matter what job I have, I still feel unworthy. No matter how many friends I'm surrounding myself with, I just, I just don't feel it. No matter how many likes I get on that picture I post on Instagram with the hopes that that would give me value, I still don't feel valuable. Because without Jesus, I don't really know what my value is. And for those of us that go too high, what does too high look like? Well, too high looks like arrogance. And no one really wants to be around you. And the truth is, you're not going to understand, you're not, it's not going to feel good, but if, if you are arrogant, if you view too highly of yourself, one of the markers is this. You'll never have deep friendships because no one around you will ever be real. Because fake people bring around fake people. And so your life will never have meaning relationship, meaningful relationships. And even more so, what happens, as I said, is that you can do everything within your power to get where you want to go. But what happens when you get sick? What happens when something is outside of your control? You just lose hope. You lose hope. And I think the real issue right now is that for so many of us, we have no clue how valuable we are. And the truth is, like, we'll get to Jesus in a second because I'm a preacher and all that good stuff. But, like, outside of that, like, how do you know how valuable you are? What's the barometer? Like, is it a job? Is it, is it a car? Is it a house? Like, how do I know? You guys ever watch The Price is Right? Like, I, I used to watch it like Bob Barker days. Um, some of you young folks never heard of Bob Barker, maybe. Um, does anyone watch it with Drew Carey? He's the new host. Anyone? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, <laughs> few OGs. Um, but I, I don't know if the game is still on, but there used to be a game on The Price is Right, and I think the game is kind of a picture of life sometimes, but have you guys ever seen the game on The Price is Right where they have a whole bunch of, like, kind of like everyday objects, like, dish soap and, and maybe like some towels or just a whole bunch of little things on, on one side and there's a bunch of prices on the other side. And the point of the game is you have to match up the price with the item. You guys ever seen that game? Yeah. And like when I used to watch the show, I want, want to watch it often, I would always think to myself like this is probably one of the hardest games because there's no clues, no anything. You just literally have to look at the item and figure out how valuable it is with no real barometer for anything else. And as I was thinking about that game this week, I just began to, to have this picture where I think this is how so many of us live our lives, where we wake up every day and we're trying to attach a value to ourselves, but we have no barometer. We have no, no way to measure how valuable I actually am. And that's why I think there's a whole bunch of people that walk around not knowing their purpose, not knowing their value, not knowing what's next, not knowing why God has created them because they're literally just guessing. And I'm here to tell you today, the bigger house will not help. A better job will not help. More kids, more friends, none of that is going to mask the issues because it's deeper. And I believe I have an answer today. Come on, somebody. I believe I have an answer today for how valuable you are and exactly what you're looking for. And Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 3, he's like, what's Apollos? What's Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe. The Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Look at this part. Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Only God. Only God makes it grow. You see, taking it back to the context of the passage, Paul is trying to redirect the whole church. He's like, listen, you're looking in the wrong places. Don't look outward. Don't look inward. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's only about Jesus. Look to Jesus. It's only him. It's only him. Listen, Jesus, can I tell you this, church, has set your worth. 
He sets your worth. You want to know how valuable you are? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. I love this verse. If you've been in church, you've heard it before. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's your value right there. Why did Jesus die for you? Because he loves you. Because you're worth it. You don't die for something or someone that is not valuable, someone that is not worth it. Listen, you're like, Harrison, hold on. Like, I've heard you preach that verse before. Why do you keep sharing that verse? Can I tell you something? And you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. But the majority of conversations I have with people when it comes to the issues of their life, time and time again, it goes back to this idea of, like, I do not know who I am. I don't know how valuable I am. I don't know how worth it I am. And so I'm going to keep preaching this verse to the cows come home until you believe it, that you are valuable. You are worthy. But it's twofold because God demonstrated his love for us. That's understanding my value. But it says this, while we were still sinners. Listen, the power of this verse is twofold. God loves you, but you're a sinner. It's not going to rain. Don't worry, y'all. If it does, I'll wrap this up somehow. Um, you're valuable, but you're a sinner. What does that mean? If I'm a sinner, it means I need a savior. You see, a lot of times we don't like to hear this other part of the verse that like I'm kind of broken, kind of messed up, kind of, so I just want to be like valuable and like child of God, um, but you're also a sinner. And that's something that all of us in our lives need to acknowledge. But the beauty of it is I don't have to live in that identity because I have a savior. I said, I have a savior. And Jesus loved us enough that while we were in sin, Christ died for us. And if I know my value, listen to this church, I can begin to unlock my place in the universe. Where do I belong? Who am I? What what does God have for me? 1 Corinthians 3. I want us to see this again. Paul says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God is making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. So, I know my value, I know my worth, now I can begin to know my place. Can I tell you your place in the universe? In the grand scale of the cosmos, do you wanna know who you are? It's the title of my sermon. You can say it out loud with me. It's gonna be on the screen. I'm just a worker. Who am I? I'm just a worker. I'm loved, I'm worthy, I need a savior, and I'm just a worker. I'm just a worker. Now. You may not like this because a few things in this sermon, I'm trying to push back against this culture of me and, and dig. And, and one of the things I think we kind of live in like this boss culture, right? Where it's like, hey, like, let's be the, the man. Let's be the CEO. Let's be the person in charge. You may not know this, especially those of us. And we have a very amazing church of people that are their own business owners and, and all that stuff. Um, I want you to understand something. Um, that is not actually what your heart desires, Like you may be in charge and you think it's great and all that stuff, but it's not actually your heart desires. The craving of all of our hearts is literally just to be a worker. It's just to be a worker. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a boss in like the the everyday marketplace life. Um, I'm technically, I guess, the boss of this church in a sense. I mean, I'm under under Jesus, but um, I'm the human in charge. (laughs) Um, Nothing wrong with being in charge, but what I want to understand, and I've talked to bosses and CEOs, and, and you guys all know this to be true. Um, it's great to be in charge, but there's one downside. You know what the downside is? <laughs> Everything funnels back to you, right? Like when, when stuff hits the fan, everything funnels back 
to you. When you want to take time off, everything funnels back to you. And it's so funny because every single boss I've talked to, whether it's in jest or reality, they've all said the same things. There's days in my life where I just wish I was a worker. I just wish I was a worker because I don't have to, to, to have the weight of the world on top of me. Now, I want us to understand something because that's, that's in the workplace. But now let's take this to our everyday life. Because so many of us live our everyday life with this idea that I am the boss. I am in control. The weight of the world is on me. Listen, there's going to be days where you can handle the weight. There's going to be days where you feel strong. But there's also going to be days where I'm going to just tell you right now, you will not be able to hold that weight. And you're going to need someone, and it's not a person, it's not a relationship, it's Jesus, to say, man, guess what? He's in charge. Can I tell you guys something? I remember um, my very first job. I worked there for three shifts. Um, I worked at Canadian Tire, and I think I was like 13 or 14, and uh, I remember like I was, I mean, I worked for three shifts. That can tell you something about how much of a worker I was. Um, but I'll never forget, like, people, I'd have the red shirt on, um, and people would come and ask me questions. Like, hey, Harrison, like, where's the screws? <laughs> like, where's the nuts? Where's the bolts? Um, and, like, the three days I was there, I'd say the same thing. <laughs> I would say, hey, I'm new here. <laughs> I'm just working. You should like, go find someone else. Um, and it was amazing because, like, there was no weight on me. I was like, hey, go find someone else. You need to go talk to someone else. Can I tell you something? In our everyday lives with Jesus, we have that same opportunity to say, guess what? I don't have to have the weight of the world on my shoulders. I work for someone else. I'm going to tell you something. Like, maybe we look all calm and collected up here, but, like, I really wanted to be in the building. And, like, I really thought we would be there. And every week kind of sucks, like, not knowing, like, if we're inside outside. I'm writing my sermons, like, will this work outside? Maybe. Um, <laughs> And, like, what's really got me through, and I was telling people this week, I think the Lord gave this message, maybe for me, I hope it applies to you as well, but every single time I felt stressed, like, what's next? People are asking me questions. I just said to myself, you know what? The beauty is I'm just a worker. I'm just a worker, right? Like, I just work for Jesus. Like, whatever happens, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall on him. And I can apply that for the building. I can apply it for this. Guess what? Not everyone likes me. I know it's crazy, right? <laughs> weird people um but like how do I survive like how do I move forward like how do we move forward and people reject us or when things don't work out I'm just a worker I just work here <laughs> I just work here Jesus is the, is the boss he's in charge and I just I just think one of the reasons among many that we see this skyrocket in depression this skyrocket in anxiety is rooted so much in our want and our desire to be in control it's rooted in that, and you're, 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 you're grasping for a level of control that you cannot actually handle. It's too much. It's too much. So listen, I'm going to give you something real quick here that can help you out. You want to know your purpose? Super simple. I'm just a worker. That's my purpose. You want to know your worth? Invaluable. Jesus died for you. You want to know your identity? It's not your job. It's not career. It's not gender. It's not sexuality. Your identity is simply this, child of God. I'm just a worker. I'm a child of God who's valuable. If I can begin to live with that identity, life will become so much easier. It's not, it's not perfect, and it's, it's a battle to tell myself this stuff each and every week in the midst of conflict to say I'm putting my hope in the wrong places. But if I can begin to believe that, I'll begin to live life with so much more peace, so much more freedom, 
Because being in control of your life sounds good in theory until you're actually in control. And you realize, in the words of someone that sings country, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus takes the wheel. So, listen, I'm just a worker. What does that mean? Paul says this in, in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 3. He says, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers, look at this, in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. This is a beautiful thought. Because Paul in the verse before, he says, listen, God does everything. He makes it grow. He's the one. But then he says, we have the privilege to actually be a co-worker with God. Like, hey, who do you work with, God? Like, who do you work with? (laughs) Come on. That's amazing. So here's the thing, and here's how I want to bring us together. If we can begin to put our lives under Jesus, listen, this means now everything I do has purpose. Everything I do has purpose. I know there are so many people here today, whoever's watching this online, assuming it works this time, is wondering to themselves, like, man, like, is this the right job for me? Like, is this where I'm supposed to be? I just, I think I need a new career. I think, listen, and maybe you do need a new job sometimes. But I would argue the majority of the time, you don't need a new job. You don't need a new position. What you need is a new mission. And the mission you need to do is to come under the banner of Jesus and say, hey, I'm working with him. Because what does that mean? It means everywhere I go now becomes a holy place. Everywhere I go now has purpose. Everywhere I go now has meaning. I was, I'll explain it like this. I was, read a story this week. It was kind of interesting. Um, this is in a book. This guy was talking about um, his, his meal every single morning on the Johan train. He'd, every morning, he'd wake up, eat a bowl of oatmeal with fruits um, and cinnamon. And he's like, every morning, I ate that same meal, pretty bland, every single day. Um, and it was kind of like menial, meaningless, whatever. He's like, but one day, um, I read a book about the spice trade. And he, he read this whole book, did this deep dive on the long history of the spice trade and how, like, and if you guys know the story, like, I actually think that part of, like, Canada was, like, they were looking for spices, right? Thought they were in India. They came here. You guys can fact check me later. Um, but the spice trade, back in the day, like, you, people would literally risk their lives in order to go get spices, right, to cross the sea, to cross the ocean, all these crazy things. And so he read this book on the spice trade, and he began to see um, literally just the spice of cinnamon in a brand new way, realizing, like, although we get it industrial, like, there's a history behind it. it it's not just this menial thing. Like, there's a, there's a deep-rooted history. There's a meaning. And so he said every single time when he eats his oatmeal now, he begins to ponder on the spice trade. And suddenly this bland bowl of oatmeal has something with purpose and meaning. And so what I'm trying to say for us is maybe your job is very menial. You're like, Harrison, I just press a button all day. What is the purpose? What is the point? What you need to do is connect it to the larger story and realize that what if God has placed you where you are intentionally? What if you are there for a reason? What if you are there to literally change someone's life? Your work, whatever you do is is cool, but here's what's even better, the people that you work with. Like, that's your mission right there. Doesn't, doesn't matter what the job is. Like, there's people. There's people. You can, can literally change someone's life. Now, someone's saying to themselves, well, aha, I got you, Harrison, because I work at home on my computer. <laughs> Not a coworker in sight. <laughs> I haven't talked to someone since 2019. <laughs> this is why. I think one of the beautiful practices that Jesus offers us in the Bible is what the Bible calls a tithe. 
And what a tithe is, it's when we give the first 10% of our income to the Lord. And the beauty of a tithe, I want us to understand this, is that when we give to the Lord, we are now connecting not just our job, but our money into a large, bigger picture of what God is doing. And like, listen to this, I think like 98% chance, 99, 100% in faith. We're going to be in here next week. And man, our building looks beautiful and there's been so much hard work by people. Um, but I'll let you know this. The large majority of our church was built with money. I know, crazy, right? Um, and all the money that we have in this church is from people that give. And so literally, what I want us to do, because it's going to be really exciting the next couple of weeks as we get into the building, but then it's just a building. But every single time you look at something in that building, any person that's ever given to this place, you can say to yourself, not only did I invest in this place, invest in eternity, but the reason I was able to do this is because I wake up each and every single day and I go to work. And so maybe you never thought about it like this, but for the teacher, that kid that's really annoying, and like you just want to give up. But what if you said to yourself, man, I'm doing holy work right now. But because of this, not just the kid's life you're going to invest into, but like when I give, the money that I've earned, hard-earned money, like now I get to build God's kingdom too. Because too many of us have this idea that like I can only, if I'm preaching, then I'm building God's kingdom. No, 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 there's so many more ways. This church was built because of someone each and every day that went outside in the hot sun and did labor work, but said to themselves, I'm going to give my first to Jesus. That's why this place is built. Now, some of you guys are saying, Harrison, listen, I just work at Starbucks. Like, I'm making 15 bucks an hour. Like, I could give, but it's, like, it's nothing. Like, it doesn't make a difference. Like, I made 900 bucks this month, Harrison. You want me to give? Listen, a tithe on 900 bucks is $90. It's $90. We got our chairs inside on Friday. Come on, somebody. We got the COVID price on those chairs. Every chair costs $87, which is expensive. But I want, I want you to think right now for the person that says, I only have 90 bucks to give. I've only ever given $90. What if it was your $90 that paid for the chair? The chair, listen to this, that one day someone is going to come and experience Jesus for the very first time. And so all of us, so you can clap your hands. Like, I never thought about it before, but all of a sudden, that drink that I made at Starbucks became a holy drink. Some of you guys, it's already holy. That's the whole other sermon. Um, but here's the beauty. I'm going to close on this. He says, by the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation. This is verse 10. As a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, the beauty and the history that we get to tap into is that Jesus is the head of the church. So we're just building on what he started. And, and there's people, like, in, in the history of the church, in the history of St. Albert, we're not the first ones to bring the gospel to St. Albert, but God has called us here. And so we actually get to build on the history of other people that have shared the message of Jesus in St. Albert. But we're just workers. We're just workers. But look what he says. He says, each one should build with care. So I want to ask us today, and we've had a year-long vision. I'm going to bring fresh vision in a few weeks. But it's just super simple. What are you building? Come on, what are you building? Because today, 
And maybe you've been building, you know, your, your, your company, maybe you've been building your family, your friendships, your, whatever it is. And those things are good. But the Bible says, and if you keep reading, actually, in 1 Corinthians, I don't have it, but Paul continues and he says, one day, he says, everything that you've ever done is going to be tested by fire. And what that means is that, like, imagine everything one day you have burns. What's left? What's left? And all that will ever be left is the impact that we left on people, the impact that we've left on our community, and and really, more than anything, is the eternal hope that we can offer people through Christ Jesus. And so today, can we just stand for a second, church? Let's, Let's close up all together. Today, two things. I just want to say, number one, if you've been putting your hope in the wrong thing, today is the day to direct it to Jesus. It's not going to be found in people. It's not going to be found in things. It's only going to be found in Jesus. And I just believe as we are continuing to be on the cusp of a new season for our church, um, God has something for you. God has something for you. And so if you've never made the decision to put your hope in Jesus, to put your trust in him, I want to encourage you, today is the day. Outside, right here, today is the day. And for everyone else that's already made that decision, I want you to ask, how can I keep on building? God, what's the next thing you're calling me to build? Maybe for some of us, it is that financial step. Like I've never taken that step or I've never given before. Today's the day. For some of us, it's, it's volunteering, right? You, you've used money as a way to say, I have money, here it is, but like I don't really have time. Maybe for you, it's, the, it's time to say, hey, I'm gonna join the team. I'm gonna start to serve. I'm gonna give a little bit of myself. Whatever that is, God is calling us to build today because we're just workers. We're just workers. So every head bowed, every eye closed. I would just love to pray for us. So God, I just thank you so much for this time today, God, for this parking lot that we can meet in and for this building behind us, Jesus. I just pray that our hope is firmly built in you, God. And I just thank you for our identity, which is found in you. And I just thank you for um, just this next season, God. It's unknown to us, but fully known to you. And so we put it in your hands. We trust you. We love you. And God, we're just excited that we get to work alongside you and what you're doing in this place. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your mighty, holy name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to find out more about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.